Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, The Cask of Amontillado by Edgar Allan Poe. This is first published in Gaudi's Ladies Book, uh, November 1846. Gaudi's Ladies Book is actually a magazine um, rather than a book. Um, and I, I think it's always interesting when you've got a title with two ap- uh, apostrophes. So Gaudi is the dude, and ladies uh, are the audience, presumably, for the book. Except it's not a book, it's a magazine. So Gaudi's Ladies Book magazine. <laughs> November 1846. Um, I would be a subscriber to Gotti's Ladies Book because there was a lot of Edgar Allan Poe in there. And this is, I think, of his mainstream stories, that is the stories that people know about and talk about on a regular basis, short stories. I think this is probably my favorite of his his mainstream popular stories. Wow. And he is one of my favorite authors, so this is one of my favorite stories, I guess. Would you give us your summary of it? So that- mm. Okay. Um, there's two dudes. One's named uh, Fortunato, and the other's named... Um, oh, I've forgotten his name. Montresor. Montresor. Montresor and Fortunato are um, probably both Italians, although there might be some reason to think one of them isn't. Um, and... They live in an Italian city, and one is going to do revenge upon the other. Montresor has a plan to murder uh, Fortunato, and he's set it up very nicely. Um, That's about my best summary of it. Oh, and he does it. There is also a framing device, um, which I think is incredibly important, and I have a, a really interesting thing to say about this, because I've been... I've been researching and researching, trying to find any evidence anybody has this idea stated somewhere. And I'm sure there's some textbook that's never been scanned or put on the internet. But nobody mentions it. For all the times that this story gets read and and forced on students, and it's a great story. I, 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 get, I forced it on my students yesterday, and they're really into it, right? Because it's a great story of revenge, but... Of all the times I've seen other people talk about this story, they never mentioned the so interesting fact about the ending, I think. Um, so I want to get to that, but maybe you can do a more careful rundown of what's going on. <laughs> well, it's uh, it does have a frame. The I think the whole, the first paragraph is worth our reading aloud, but mm-hmm. um, it the, there's a speaker I um, uh, who tells you uh, speaks to us as if we are someone he knows. Um, you who uh, so well know the nature of my soul, mm-hmm. uh, we're never told how that is that we know that, uh, but we'll return to that uh, in discussion. Uh, he then says, you know. Um, Fortunato had done nasty things to me. Uh, he had injured me in many ways. But when it came to insult, then I could do no more. So I, you know, I'm going to get even with this guy. But what he does is during carnival, uh, there's the, the the time of excess just before we begin Lent. Um, 
people are going around in costume. Uh, Montresor entices uh, Fortunato to Montresor's wine cellar, promising him a rare and wonderful uh, taste of a cask of Amontillado, which is a kind of uh, Spanish wine. It's actually a variety of sherry. Um, sweet. Uh, quite delicious. I like it. Um, they go down there, and uh, he, Montresor, entices Fortunato to get a little uh, tipsier. And anyway, he winds up putting him into a niche, uh, which had been covered up with bones. It's an ossuary. Um, and then he bricks it up again and puts the bones back in front of it so that nobody will be able to know what's going on. Um, and the last we hear of Fortunato is him yelling out as he realizes he's going to be immured. For the love of God, Montresor! <laughs> um, but Montresor doesn't care about God's love. He cares about his revenge and leaves. And then we come back to the frame situation about which you promised you had things you want to say. Does that sound about right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is a story for the, you Freudian fans out there that has uh, only three characters. One man, Fortunato, who's injured but finally insults. Montresor, who tolerates injuries, but not insults, and a big hollow in the wall down in the basement, which could look an awful lot like a female symbol. Huh. Okay. Well, I didn't expect that. I thought you were going to say uh, the 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 guy who's, who, who uh, Montresor is talking to, telling this story to, um, or I thought maybe he means Lucchese, <laughs> who comes up many times in this story as, uh, oh, I love the psychology going on in here. Um, I did not expect that third, third character. Um, well, the re I, I, if you think about those mainstream, as you call them, stories that are well known by Pope, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, we have in uh, the facts of the case of Mr. Valdemar, mm -hmm. the guy who is inside a four-poster bed covered by curtains, and when they are opened, he dies by what looks like an ejaculation mm. nine months after his death. Right? He's in a female figure. If you take a look at uh, the, uh, the uh, telltale heart, the, the murderer there takes a mattress and turns it over the guy he wants to kill and mm. smothers him with it. I mean, if you take a look at the black cat, the wife gets pushed into the the wall and is bricked up as here, but the cat, the pussy, is on top of her head and shrieks out. I mean, this is a continuing theme. Um, take a look at um, the descent into the maelstrom, where what starts out as a a round pit begins to elongate in one direction and compress in the other, and as it becomes more vaginal, it gets so hot that he is right. I guess I I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I that that story I I don't. I think that's on the borderlands of his his mainstream stuff, but I, I see I see wh why you're thinking that now. Uh, again, I, I had no idea that was where you were going. Okay, so let's go where you were going. All right. Well, okay. I, I want to get this out of the way because I think it's so fascinating. I 
I, I, I'm sure someone's come up with it before because I'm a super genius, but there are other super geniuses in the world, okay? This is what I'm so excited about is, is I think that Poe is constantly hiding his own jokes in his great stories and that we're, we're missing them. So uh, this is classically, uh, my classic example of this is in uh, The Raven. The Raven isn't actually a raven in The Raven. It's a uh, condor. It's a vulture. Um, and that's made clear if you're looking for the signs in the text. Uh, but, you know, rhyming with vulture is not as good as r- rhyming with raven, I guess. Um, in here, I think that this is an, is an even better button. And maybe it was much more clear to readers at the time. But why is it set in Italy? I think one of the reasons you could set it in Italy is because you want to make sure that the audience knows that the that you're in a Catholic country. If you're in a Catholic country, uh, there are some important cultural differences than there are in uh, Protestant countries. And one of them is that on your deathbed, you want to make sure that you're going to go to heaven, which means you need to clear your soul. For 50 years, we're told, um, he's kept this secret. That is, Montresor has kept a secret. And it starts with the beginning and it finishes with the end. So that that frame is so important. I'm just going to read the beginning and then I'll read the end. The thousand injuries of Fortunato I had borne as best I could, but when he ventured upon insult, I vowed revenge. Beautiful opening sentence. You who, you who so well know the nature of my soul will not suppose, however, that I gave utterance to threat. Now, this is our first clue, I think. You, who know so well the nature of my soul. I've never met this guy. He's not talking to me. Who is he talking to? Who is a person who knows his soul incredibly well? Well, somebody you confess to. So this is a confession, and that's why he's giving it. I'll just continue a little bit here. At length, I would be avenged. I would be avenged. This was a point definitely settled. But the very definitiveness with which it was resolved precluded the idea of risk. I must not only punish, but punish with impunity. This is another beautiful sentence. I must not only punish, but punish with impunity. Now, as I was telling my students yesterday, impunity is is basically the ability to not be punished or to avoid punishment. And traditionally, one way not to get into heaven is to uh, murder somebody, because murder is wrong. It's one of those commandments, right? But there's a loophole. (laughs) And the loophole is, if you make confession, you get out of any problems you've done. Only if the priest absolves you. Absolutely. You who know so well the nature of my soul. His confessor here is a priest, is my thinking. And when we skip to the end... He says, no, no answer still. I thrust a torch through the remaining aperture and let it fall within. There came forth in return only a jingling of the bells. My heart grew sick and on account of the dampness of the catacombs. Again, great psychology. I don't think that that's the reason that it's because he's getting sick. is because of the catacombs. I hastened to make an end of my labor. I forced the last stone into position. I plastered it up against 
the new masonry, I re-erected the old rampart of bones. For the half of a century, no mortal has disturbed them in pace resquiat. Now, um, I think that it's possible that there's two people telling the story. Um, that there's the narrator who goes all the way through until the final sentence, and then there's the third person, or the second, uh, the person who also tells the story, who is the uh, priest. So, in confessing in such grand detail and saying, finally, after 50 years, why is he telling this story? Because he wants to get into heaven. And if he confesses all his sins and his worst sin, and in this story, his enjoyment and pleasure at telling this horrible murder, pretty much he gets out. He, he, it's through the loophole. And if we note that ending in Pace Resquiat, right? Rest in peace. I'm saying it wrong, but that's approximately what it means, right? It does mean rest in peace, yeah. Then it's either uh, Montresor saying that to the guy who he murdered, or it's the priest saying that to the man who's just confessed on his deathbed. It's 50 years later, which means Montresor was at least, I would say, 20 at the time, probably a little older. He's lived a long life. For 50 years, he's kept this secret. And now he gets to go straight to heaven, even though he's a horrible murderer. And that's the button that I'm talking about. It's not an in pace resquiat just for the fool of um, Fortunato. It's an in pace resquiat for Montresor. Which is why I think that it's Montresor saying it. He's saying, let me rest in peace. I think it, either way it works, right? It does. And I agree that a very plausible reading is that the you involved is a priest because it seems like a deathbed confession. Absolutely. And we also know other post stories that have the same kind of symbolism use the same kind of frame um, in The Black Cat. Uh, it begins with the story that I'm about to tell you, you know, and so on. Mm -hmm. He's confessing the night before he's going to go to the gallows. That's exactly right. The gallows. So um, I agree with you. And uh, I, I, it's easy to read that. I shouldn't say easy since you've searched and haven't found <laughs> it written out. It is plausible to see this as a deathbed confession on Fortunato, on, on Montresor's part. I think that, as is common with Poe, we have here an unreliable narrator. That is, I, I do believe that Montresor bricked up, immured uh, Fortunato and killed him, mm -hmm. but I don't believe that he is telling us the truth about many things. For example, when he says... Um, I was able to uh, accept injury, but not insult. Whoa. What, what is it that is worse than injury? What kind of an insult is this? And again, I go back to the possibility that it has something to do with females. Uh, because the word family comes up a lot, and the house mm -hmm. comes up a lot, as in the 
fall of the House of Usher. Uh, it says in that important first paragraph that it's not redress if you get punished for doing the redress. You've got to be able to do your redress. You've got to redress the insult or the injury with impunity. Mm-hmm. Right? And in the middle of the story, we find out who the Montresors are. The Montresors, I replied, it's Montresor saying, recounting what he said with Fortunato, were a great and numerous family. I forget your arms, Fortunato says. So, Fortunato's name means fortune. It means not fortune, it does in a sense a lot of money, but it also means may you have good fortune. It's, it's fate. Fate has forgotten the fate of arms of the Montresors. And so he answers, Montresor says, a huge human foot door that is a golden foot mm-hmm. in a field azure, in a blue field that is the heavens. The foot crushes a serpent rampant, that is a serpent that's rising up, whose fangs are embedded in the heel. So this brings us right back to um, Cain and Abel, right? That, you know, it will be cursed. Uh, the, the serpent will bite you and you will, and, and Adam and Eve, and the serpent will curse the, spe- the seed of, your, of uh, your seed. And the motto of this fallen man, this fallen house, Nemo me impune lachesit, okay, which means no man may insult me with impunity. Right. So that notion of impunity, lack of punishment, escaping punishment is crucial. You're absolutely right, in my view. What Montresor is trying to do is get away from, get out of the punishment. He's trying to escape his punishment by having this confession. So when he says, in Pache Requiscat, um, he means, I want to be, I want to rest in peace. However, unreliable narrator, right? He cannot, in fact, get away with this because that's not a true confession. If you do not, in fact, show contrition, then the absolution does not work. (laughs) You can't be hypocritical and get out of it. The loopholes have to do with, from a British viewpoint, um, or I should say a Protestant viewpoint, Mm -hmm. um, this whole idea of the Gothic where you know, starting with the cas- starting with the Castle of Otranto in 1764, we have monks and nuns and illegitimate babies being walled up in the catacombs. What the English, the Protestant English, did in creating Gothic literature was to set it in Italy, that land of priests and myths and superstition. So Poe is picking this up. The particular time is Carnival when we have these excesses that stand against the holy time of Lent. But there is no carnival in the Protestant world. It's only in the Catholic world. Mm -hmm. So how are they dressed? Montresor is dressed just in a long cloak, but Fortunato foolishly dresses himself up as a fool. Yep. He's dressed in motley. Exactly. So Montresor is able to entice him by the promise of Amontillado. Lucrezi, we're told, can't even tell Amontillado from Sherry, <laughs> right? That's what that's what Fortunato says. Mm-hmm. Fortunato is a fool because Amontillado is a variety of Sherry. 
It's not like you can't tell red wine from white wine. Amontillado is sherry. Mm -hmm. It's not all sherry. It's a variety of sherry. So that's wrong. And Poe knows this. I'm sure he knows this. Mm -hmm. So fortune is blind and foolish. Montresor is French. That is the word Montresor means my treasure. Yeah, there's. A, I think. I think there's a. In this is. I'll just read this line. Few Italians have the true virtuoso spirit. He's talking as if he's not Italian, but mm -hmm. his house is in Italy. His family's house, the bones of his family, are in Italy. So, if they're foreigners, they've been foreign for a long time in this country. Indeed. There's something else to know about that, though. Montresor means my treasure. Okay? Mm -hmm. So his treasure, uh, he says, for the love of God, Montresor, you would be my treasure, right? Uh, but, in fact, I'm not. You know, he doesn't give things. Why is he not fortune's treasure? Because fortune has not played him well. But Montresor is a common French expression that's used for loved ones, mm -hmm. particularly children. Exactly. So just as one would say, you know, my precious mm -hmm. or my, my darling in French, one might say Montresor. So when he says, when Fortunato says, for the love of God, Montresor, that is ironic mm -hmm. because clearly someone he has insulted and injured isn't his beloved. Right. But when he says for the love of God, in fact, what he means is, please, you got it. Uh, because there are rules, can, right? There are rules. And as you call them, Jesse, loopholes. Mm -hmm. The problem is you don't get through this loophole. Fortunato doesn't get through the loophole and neither will Montresor. At least Mont in one sense, he's got through. He may not actually get to go to heaven. But he's been not punished for 50 years. Indeed. I, I think there's a reason, though, that, that he won't go to heaven. Um, because you, you need to ask. I mean, we need to ask. Why is he telling it now? And yes, you could say he's doing it because he wants a loophole. <laughs> but when in the first paragraph, Montresor says, you who know my soul so well, You'll know that I would not have accepted this, right? You would know that I would not accept just an insult without retribution. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> if this is his priest, and his pre he has confessed to his priest over the course of half a century, well, I did this to get even, I did that to get even, I did that to get even. The fact is, he has not made a full and complete confession. He has been violating the rules of Catholic confession mm -hmm. all along. So when he says, you who know my soul, my, the nature of my soul, he, in fact, is lying. He's been lying to the priest all along. And that's why I think when at the end he says, rest in peace, the, the line rest in peace exists as part of a paragraph in which it clearly is Montresor speaking at the yeah. beginning. It's Montresor saying, rest in peace, about himself. It's not the priest. If the priest was listening carefully, he would realize 
that Montresor has been lying to him for 50 years and none of his confessions have been valid because none of them have been contrite and complete. I I, I think that there's another way to add that Montresor uh, name in is that this story is his treasure. He is reveling in it, in its telling. He is enjoying and savoring its deliciousness. Um, and as we do as readers, it is delicious to read. Um, there, and it's, it's, it's a magic spell that's being cast by Poe. Um, I want to read this passage because of the amount of times we hear the words. I said to him, my dear Fortunato, you are luckily met. Ha, ha, ha. What's Fortunato short for in English? Lucky. <laughs> you are luckily right. met. Uh, it's not lucky. It, this is all planned out, right? How remarkably well you are looking today. Well, in a minute, he's going to give him a bottle of Medoc. <laughs> right. Because he's not well at all. But I have received a pipe of what passes for Amontillado, and I have my doubts. Now, this is the repetition that I'm talking about here. How? said he. Amontillado? A pipe? Impossible. And in the middle of the carnival? I have my doubts, I replied, and I was silly enough to pay the full Amontillado price, without consulting you in the matter. You were not to be found, and I was fearful of losing a bargain. Amontillado! I have my doubts. Amontillado, and I must satisfy them. <laughs> so right. the cask of Amontillado is a pretty funny name for this story because there is no cask of Amontillado. The, the cask of Amontillado is revenge, right? That's what this story is about. It's about punish, punishing those who insult you with impunity. So for something that doesn't exist in his dungeon, <laughs> in his catacombs under his home, it's talked about a lot. I have my doubts, I replied, and I was silly enough to pay the full Amontillado price without consulting you in the matter. You were not to be found, and I was fearful of losing a bargain. Amontillado, I have my doubts. Amontillado, and I must satisfy them. Amontillado, as you are engaged, I am on my way to Lucchese. If anyone has a critical turn, it is he. He will tell me. Obviously a rival, right? Lucchese, cannot tell Amontillado from Sherry. <laughs> As you point out, this is the same thing, kind of Sherry. And yet, f some fools will have it that his taste is a match for your own. He's using reverse psychology, right, <laughs> to trick him. And he does it throughout. And he says, oh, no, let's go back. You don't need to see this Amontillado you love so much. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. And then... <laughs> There's this other th repetition that this is the mysterious stuff that uh, I'm I'm just barely on the edge of comprehending. So one of the secret symbols that's in here, and it's 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 the kind of secret symbol that you know you would know, but kids don't know, um, is when he there's this scene where. Uh, after drinking a bottle of um, de Grave, I think it is. <laughs> First he gives him the medicine, and then he gives him the death, um, which is great stuff. But uh, those are apparently real wine, <laughs> wine vintages as well, or types of wine. Um, he, uh, uh, Fortunato does some complex gesticulations with his hands, um, and these are signs signs that you give in order to ask a person if they're a member of your secret society. And 
when our hero, Montresor, doesn't respond because he's not a member of that secret society. He, he says, oh, you're not a Mason. Of course you're not a Mason. You're not good enough to be in the Masons, basically, is what uh, Fortunato is saying. And in a kind of hubris and sort of evil jocularity, Montresor pulls out a tool which he was going to use later, but which can show, oh, no, I'm in on this joke, even though it's not right. He shows him a a trowel, a symbol for the Masons, right? And he says, you're not a Mason, you're joking with me. I he says, nevertheless, let's go on, right? He almost tumbled to, that is, Fortunato almost tumbled to the to the error. This is like almost a uh, a point where he could have turned back and and left and not have been killed. This is a sign that he didn't take. Oh, and it, luckily for Montresor, they continue down the path and eventually to Lucky's death. Um, so on the edge of this is this repetition of the word niter. Niter, 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 niter. And I've seen other people's analyses saying that this is, look at the niter, it grows. And uh, that it shows up five times, the word shows up five times in the story. Um, Niter is like um, saltpeter. It's a natural uh, occurrence in caves as water goes through the earth. It brings out different chemicals um, that lay down. And it, it, one of the fascinating things about the way it's, it appears in caves is it can look like roots. It can grow into a pattern. And, and what's so interesting is that it's, it's like vegetation, but underground and it grows and shapes, but it is not alive. And I think there's something going on here. The number of times it's been pointed out, he seems to, I think on one level, Poe is trying to say um, the niter is causing uh, unhealthiness within Fortunato. I'm just going to read that section. He turned toward me and looked into my eyes with two filmy orbs that distilled the room of intoxication. Niter, he asked at length. Niter, I replied. How long have you had that cough? And then we get a, a section of coughing. Right. They're in the catacombs. And I think what we're supposed to sense from the niter is that this is age. The water of the, of the upper air coming down, hitting the earth, passing through the rock and the soil, and all the dead things that are within it, and picking up and creating a new living dead thing inside the earth. I think that that's what niter is supposed to represent. And because it's brought up so many times, I think that what it might be pointing to is Poe po having Montresor savor this experience over and over and over again. So that, as you say, he's not a reliable narrator. I don't think he... He's lying to, I don't think he's lying to himself as much as he's just mistaken about what it is. It's been 50 years since this happened, and he sort of repeats it and savors it and polishes it. 
And I think that, that, that the niter acts as a symbol of the growing dead thing beneath the earth. It's something like that. I think that that works nicely. Um, you may resist this, Jesse, but I think it works nicely with the the angle of the story that has to do with competition for access to the woman. Because Niter is saltpeter, which is used to depress uh, sexual urges. Yep. And it is Niter that's going on here. The house is gone. There is no issue of the house. Montresor gets his revenge against Fortunato, but he still has no children. He winds up alone in the world. And so, in fact, the sexuality has been thwarted. He has not been able to become Montresor, that darling little child. He has not had a Montresor of his own. Mm. And Niter is just one way of looking at the things that have, present, have prevented him. Um, is it, in fact, Fortunato uh, who taught him to love wines? Because he says he has almost as good knowledge of wine as Fortunato and had him hanging around in caves where the niter grows. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. But we can speculate on this again and again because mm-hmm. he does not confess what that insult was. I want to speculate, um, just based on what we've been talking about. Um, I almost think it is a family thing. I think maybe Montresor wanted to marry into this family of the Fortunatos. They're both rich families. Um, And I think that Montresor said, you, my sister, never. (laughs) And that was the insult, right? That your family these foreigners, even though he's been in, obviously in Italy for centuries, his family, or it could have been the other way. But I, I think, I think that, that it's something like that. And it, whatever it is, it, it doesn't really matter for the story, but it's that level of insult, right? You, sure. Well, you don't have to be my business partner. Sure. You don't have to uh, uh, let me go into your fancy club, but you won't, you don't think me, I am worthy of your sister. How dare you, sir? That's the kind of insult I think we're talking about, rather than, you know, you're ugly. We may not need to know the answer to that in order to say what happens in the story. But one of the brilliant things about the story is that it leaves us realizing that we need to keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. Because when it comes to matters of the heart and pride and revenge and competition, and self-worth. For those who cannot outgrow their sense of injury, there is always more to say. (laughs) And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for reading short and deep.